it's Meg Nally from Big Brother Season 17, and you are listening to The Recap. DJ Earworm, and you're listening to The Recap. Hi, I'm Heather McDonald, and you're listening to The Recap. It's American Idol winner Nick Fradiani, and you are listening to The Recap. Welcome to The Recap. I'm Erin McClory. And I'm Carly Miller. Dancing on TV has turned dirty this week. I'm both Dance Moms and Dancing with the Stars, so Erin, break it down for us. Yeah, let's start with Dance Moms. Abby Lee Miller, the face of Dance Moms, has apparently resigned from the show. Maybe. There's still a little speculation about what exactly is going on, but it all started when Abby took to Instagram a few days ago and posted a picture of a few of the kids that she teaches, along with a very long caption. Oh my gosh, just looking at this caption, it's asinine. I mean, first of all, half of it is in all caps, (laughs) so that's a little overwhelming, but I'm going to read you the caption because it, it says a lot. So she wrote... The majority of children that follow me may be fast asleep. However, now is the critical time to make the following statement, in all caps. (laughs) I will no longer take part in Dance Moms. For the past six years slash seven seasons, I have asked, begged, and even demanded creative credit for all the ideas, award-winning routines, themes, and costuming to to no avail. Today, I was so proud that I went against the producer's idea, once again, to enter a command performance of one of my favorite numbers, Where Have All the Children Gone?, along with three beautiful solos. We're done with the all caps. But just for a short moment. Yeah, it'll go back. Don't worry. I don't have a problem working with any kid. I love children and I've dedicated my life to making other people's children successful. Back to all caps. I just have a problem with being manipulated, disrespected, and used day in and day out by men who have never took a dance lesson in their lives and treat women like dirt. Okay, first of all, I love how she started that everyone that follows her is going to be asleep, but this is the critical moment. You know, I was thinking that, Erin, so in which way would that be the most critical moment to share if everybody, if you've acknowledged that your followers are asleep? I don't know. why. I don't know why it's critical. Maybe because she couldn't sleep until she got this off her chest? I, I don't know. I can hear her voice. Like her lunatic voice screaming at me through my phone as I'm reading this. And the thing is, when she screams, her voice like goes out because she screams so much. I think I've told you about the story when I went when we were in LA and I went to her dance studio just to check it out from the outside. Yeah. And I went in the store next door that's like attached to the studio and I heard Abby in the back screaming at someone on the phone. It was like the highlight of my life. She was just, I was like, this is exactly what it's like on TV. It's real. Like she's actually like that. It's insane. But there's just so much packed into this statement I mean first of all she is a choreographer she is a dance studio owner so I understand her frustration with not being able to get credit or creative control over her routines her costumes all of that what does that mean though is that the producers are set are putting forth what goes into the show In, in what way does she not have you know I'm a little bit confused by that. Yeah, how does she not have control, I guess, is kind of the confusion. Well, so she does have another choreographer on the show named Gianna, and she's been with Abby since she was little. She used to dance with Abby, and now she's, like, her assistant choreographer, basically. And so... Um, I was listening to an interview with Gianna on a podcast that I listened to, and Gianna was kind of explaining that at the beginning of the week, they'll sit down with producers and kind of go over who they want to dance that week, who they want to have solos, what they want the theme for the week to be. So they don't get to dictate all of that. It's kind of a collaboration with the producers and Abby and Gianna about what they want versus what would look good on the show. Right. Now, Erin, 
to that, and I know we have a lot more to dive into. This is a very in-depth conversation that you're going to kind of dissect for for all of us, myself included, um, because just you understand it. You follow it so much more than I do. Great show. But my, my question for you here is just in general, one thing that we know about TV is that when it comes to reality TV, not all of it's always real. And what I mean by that is it's not to say that they hand out a script to every single person on the show and make them rehearse lines and read them. But what I mean by that is at the end of the day, you have to plan an episode. And so even when it comes to Dance Moms or the Kardashians or any other reality-like show, The Real Housewives, you know, the list goes on and on. It's not necessarily that it's scripted so much as that it's structured. There needs to be a plan there to tell a coherent story from start to finish and make viewers enticed. Definitely. Hence the concept of television. So with that being said, I want to know your input on whether or not she has the right to be so upset over this. Or is that just the way the cookie crumbles and that is TV, whether it be reality or not, expressive or not. TV needs to tell a story, it needs structure, it needs format, and that's what producers' jobs are, no matter if it's scripted or talk or reality. Am I right? You know, you're definitely right, and there's kind of two layers to this. Like, as a choreographer, as a dance studio owner, yes, of course you have the right to be upset. I mean, Gianna was explaining that she gets upset sometimes watching the show back because they have to shorten the dance numbers to make it, no one wants to watch, like, if it's a three-minute routine or something, no one wants to watch the whole routine necessarily on the show. Right. Especially if they do, like, four routines in an episode, so they'll splice it up but then they're cutting the music and so maybe the choreography isn't with the music at that time because they'll like cut it down but they'll keep the music you know this this a different clip of it will be playing at a different time or whatever so it'll say something about like being in the air and it'll have the girls on the floor and she was like I would never choreograph a floor move when the lyrics are about like flying or something or you know whatever it may be so like I get frustration there, but at the same time, you're on a TV show, and if you signed up for this TV show, and it's been seven seasons, six years, right. you got to get used to it. And I mean, Abby went on to say, like, this is her livelihood, and, and they've destroyed her livelihood through this show, but at the same time, they've also made her livelihood. Like, what Absolutely. Would, yes, she was very successful before the show in her own dance world and in her own right, but this show has made her into a household name. I mean, this has exploded her career and the career of all of these girls as well. So to, to, to say that it destroyed her livelihood, I mean, you like to say it all the time. It's biting the hand that fed you. Is it Aaron, not? I was just about to say It's that. your line. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely feel that way, undoubtedly. I don't know. It, it's interesting, but there's so much more to this. And, and the first thing that comes to my mind really quickly when you're discuss, discussing Abby Lee, the first thing I associate with her right now is her financial and legal issues. So what's going on with that? When is she? When did she even return back to the show? I mean, I thought her career was done for two years ago, a year ago, when all of her financial and legal issues surfaced. Is is that not the case? I mean, it's is still she not in on, jail? She's not in jail yet. Whether she will be or not be, uh, I don't know. No one knows yet. Okay. It's definitely a point of conversation on the show. <laughs> Maybe. Whenever, I don't know. <laughs> whenever she faces her rival, her rival will say something like, well, you're going to be in jail. And it's just such a low blow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I should not have said that while you were taking a sip of your water. But it's just, it's so immature. It's so ridiculous. But it's still an ongoing legal battle. I mean, she did plead guilty to the charge of concealing bankruptcy assets and for one count of not reporting an international monetary transaction. Now, that was last year. 
So this has been ongoing for quite a while. Apparently, it has caused a lot of problems on set. I mean, just think about the emotional turmoil that takes on a person. And then she's now trying to also deal with reality show producers. Right. That's a lot to take on at once. And oh, by the way, where does the overall well-being and, and the learning aspect for these children come into play? I mean, how she was even a dance teacher to begin with is somewhat mind-boggling to me. The way in which she speaks to these these girls... And the way that she interacts with these mothers, how she has even run a successful business before the show is astonishing. It is. It's like I go back and forth on it all the time because she says she cares about the children so much. And sometimes you see that, but other times you're like, I I don't get it. And that's why people leave all the time. I mean, kids have left this show many a times. Um, Sometimes they come back. Oftentimes they do not. But (laughs) Abby also leaves the show quite often. And that's what I want to get to because... There are rumors that Cheryl Burke will be replacing Abby. And I shouldn't say rumors because some of it is confirmed. But the word replace, I don't like. Because this is definitely not the first time Abby has left the show. But it is the first time she's left in this way. So she's often been absent for a few weeks during filming. She leaves the moms and the dancers wondering if and when she'll return. I mean, even the moms and the girls left last season for like a week or two and went to a different dance studio just to show Abby that they didn't need her. So there's this constant ongoing battle of who needs who. Abby leaves them. They leave Abby. It's insane. But they always bring in a guest choreographer when Abby's gone or Gianna just takes over or whatever it may be. So this isn't the first time that this has happened. And to say Cheryl Burke is replacing, and Cheryl Burke, of course, a pro from Dancing with the Stars, was for a very long time on that show. She's a great dancer, great choreographer, but she's not going to be the face of this show. You don't think so? No, absolutely not. Yes, she'll come in for a couple weeks maybe and teach the girls and, and choreograph for them, but they have guest choreographers all the time lifetime did comment on what's been going on saying quote the current season of dance moms that finished taping last week was shorter than normal because of abby's schedule cheryl burke will appear as a guest choreographer as is standard practice when abby is unavailable and they went on to name drop a couple other who have come a couple other choreographers who have come in and it just this happens all the time so for you know the only thing that hasn't happened is to be so open about it. I mean, we don't really know that Abby has left until the season airs. Now we know she made this huge deal about it on Instagram that she's leaving. Is it permanent? Is it not? I don't know. I mean, if they're saying that they just wrapped filming and Cheryl Burke is just taking over for the last couple weeks, who really cares? It's just a question of if the show's going to come back. Right. So Erin, that, that poses me to ask you this. And that question is, we've talked about it before in the past most recently with The Apprentice in regards to Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Donald Trump. And then two years ago with Fashion Police and, and with Joan Rivers passing, and, and we've revisited that topic over and over again upon, you know, the controversy that Fashion fashion Police rather faced in the past two years since Joan Rivers passing. With that being said, my question is, when you have a host so heavily associated with this show, so in this case, it's Abby Lee with Dance Moms. It was Donald Trump with The Apprentice. It was Joan Rivers with Fashion Police. And those two shows, both Apprentice and Fashion Police, are arguably not nearly as successful as they once were when those original hosts were on. When you associate a show, when you create a show built around this one host, and that's the anchor of that show, when that person leaves and you try and replace them, is it doomed for? In this case, absolutely. I mean, this show... Oh, by the way, isn't it still Abby's Dance Company? Yeah, it's Abby Lee Dance Company. That, that is the name of right. the dance studio. And so can this show go on if Abby Lee walks away from it forever? Never forever? to return? No, because then the question is, 
do the girls still dance for Abby Lee Dance Company? If they do, Abby's not going to allow cameras in there. I mean, I don't know exactly what the contract is, but if Abby decides not continue, not to continue with this show, there's no way she allows her dancers to be on this show. You know what I mean? She's Absolutely. not going to welcome cameras into her studio. So I think it's going to come down to do the girls stay with Abby Lee Dance Company or do they leave? I mean, I saw on Twitter fans were saying that the girls deserve their own spinoff show. That could happen. Will it be nearly as successful? I don't know. Where's the really the conflict in that? Yes, they're household names now. They're very successful. A lot of people love the girls and follow them. But I don't know that that's going to be as successful. I just, I think that bridges are really being burned here. And right. I mean, Abby has spoken out saying that Collins Avenue, which is the production company that produces the show, along with Lifetime and everyone they employ, have zero respect for her and for her business. And I just think now that she's come out saying that, and I mean, she even spoke about an incident that happened that led her to this. And that was at their last dance competition when apparently a producer, she alleges, had some crazy woman who she'd never seen before, never met, never even seen, go and chase her through the audience because apparently this woman wants to be on the TV show and just does everything the producer tells her. And she said that that embarrassed her and it was sick to do in front of all of her clients and 50 of her dancers. And it's just, I mean, this is Abby's livelihood. I get that. And I think she's just, she's done. She's done with the BS. She's like, I have my legal issues. I mean, she lost her studio in Pittsburgh. And I think that's something that isn't really talked about much because not many fans know that. Until last season, they went back to Pittsburgh. And we saw Abby was now renting out her old studio to a different dance teacher and doesn't have that anymore. All she has is this L.A. studio and her she's kind of seeing it crumble and all of her dancers are getting older. And she's, you know, I think she's just Maybe sad. she was nicer to people from the beginning. Maybe. A lot of this wouldn't have happened. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that someone so strong as Abby Lee could be controlled by a television show. I think that... As much as TLC has been, and, and the producers of TLC um, have, ha- she's come out and said, you know, that they've threatened her and said that the TV show can end at any minute, which, Lifetime. let's face it. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Lifetime. I'm wearing a TLC shirt. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, you I'm just staring, got confused. You were staring, staring at I'm staring at your TLC shirt looking at you. Lifetime, rather. Excuse me for, for my um for my reading off Erin's shirt instead. But, um... The fact that Lifetime has come to her, you know, she's felt threatened and all these things. She has such a strong personality. And I feel as though for her not to have a phenomenal relationship with the producer at this point, you're you're seven seasons in, you're five, six seasons in, you know, you do have a sense of stability. Let's face it. Nothing is permanent in life, especially television for that matter. And these shows, they're so replaceable. You know, in the, in the blink of an eye, they can be on, off air. Success is, is so limited when it comes to these shows. But I think that when you get into that six, seven year mark, you are quote unquote safe, whatever that may be, at least in the industry. And so with that being said, Erin, I don't understand how she can feel so threatened by TV producers, how by this point they don't have a well-balanced, well-rounded relationship relationship. I think that that somewhat might reflect Abby Lee as an individual, as a professional, or therefore lack of, for that matter, if, if you just see the way in which she conducts herself on the show. And so with that being said, I am a little bit biased towards the producers, and I can't wrap my head around the fact that she could feel so threatened, so, you know, unsafe in whatever environment she's filming in because I think that she has a lot of control over the show. I mean, Erin, season six, season seven, usually by that time, the host, the star of the show, their name is on producer, executive producer. They're making, you know, much more money off the show. They have much more control over the show than just the host. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, Abby did say that 
the show can end at any minute. And apparently the producers have been very clear in telling her that in her contract. But I think it's kind of different in this case where you have someone who she's made very clear this is her livelihood. I mean, this is her life. And so when you have a host of a show like Celebrity Apprentice, American Idol, The Voice, Fashion Police, whatever it may be, that's not their livelihood. They're on that show. If that show ends, they go to another show. They host something else. But in this case, if this show ends, like now she needs to make sure that her dance studio is still intact, that she can still choreograph as a living and and have all of these clients. And she feels like what the producers are doing is embarrassing her and ruining her relationship with her clients. And I think that's where the fear comes from rather than just the show ending. It's, it's her livelihood ending. Now, Erin, I have to ask you about that. If this show ends, what's the future for Abby Lee dance company? Does it disintegrate with the show? I don't think so. I think that she's built such a name for her as a choreographer that there are still kids who want to take dance lessons with her. And yes, a lot of the appeal now is probably that they get to be on TV if they make it to that level. But there are so many kids in this dance studio that aren't on TV. She teaches so many classes. She has so many choreographers that teach classes that I just I don't see that ending with it. I mean, there's definitely drama within the girls themselves. And, and I want to touch on that real quick, which is... There's been a lot of beef going on online, on Twitter, and a lot of it is, is it about Abby? Is it about the girls? No one really knows. So let's just break that down really quick. Drama erupted between the moms and the girls because apparently someone commented to Bryn, who was one of the the dancers, I'm so glad you guys won. The elites were dressed like hookers. And apparently Bryn liked the comment. And so now there's beef between the girls saying... Well, she liked to comment calling us hookers, and the moms are getting involved on Twitter. Um, Christy, who is Chloe's mom, they've been gone for several seasons, but came back at the end of last season, and there's speculation, are they back on the team or not? Who knows? But she tweeted, funny that you talk about morals because of a dance, but then think it's morally okay to let your daughter call our girls hookers on social media. What are your thoughts on a 40-year-old woman getting involved on Twitter saying that someone's daughter shouldn't have done that. It's ridiculous. It's all, I mean, it, it is a lot to digest. And Nia, one of the girls, did post a very long statement about cyberbullying. And she wrote, the cyberbullying going on is not okay. I have to speak my mind. If you are being bullied, you are not alone. And then she added a couple paragraphs going into detail about that. So there's just so much going on. And a lot of the reactions, like, one of the moms tweeted, wow, you think you know somebody. Hashtag true colors. Hashtag dance moms. Is it about Abby? Is it about Bryn? Is it about Bryn's mom? No one knows. It's just there's so much drama with this show. And not good. Not, not it's, good it's drama. It's doomed for, let's face it. The, the end is very, very near for this show. It definitely is. And I mean, I'm excited to see at least that there is one more season for sure that they've been filming and apparently supposedly just wrapped and Cheryl Burke coming in. I'm a fan of Cheryl Burke. I don't know. I don't know if she can add as much drama, but maybe that's what we need for a little while. Maybe. But until then, I think we have to return back to Cheryl Burke's past and talk about Dancing with the Stars for a little bit, Erin. Am I right? We yeah, because the drama continues. The show might change, but the drama, the drama is well underway. Is and I mean, it's kind of reminding me of Abby a little bit with Charo, who was on the show. She's she's a guitarist. She's very famous in the music industry, but she is very upset about the way the judges have been treating her. And a source close to her said Charo was super upset this week about her scoring, and she feels like she's being treated and scored very unfairly. She is seriously upset. So now she is threatening to quit the show. Because apparently that's what everyone does when they get upset these days on reality TV is they just threaten to quit. 
She earned a 21 and a 25 out of 40 in the first two weeks, which honestly is not that bad in the first week. Like getting fives and sixes the first week, it happens a lot. Let's be real. This is a a much older woman who should not be the best dancer ever. Right. I, I don't get what the big deal is. I mean, she was almost eliminated at the end of week two, but... Ultimately, she was saved, and she did take her complaints to the producers, explaining that she doesn't like how they're scoring her, and she feels like she is treating so badly that she might quit, and that threat will stand until she feels like she's being scored fairly. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. It's it's so ridiculous. But there's a lot of tension, apparently, sources are saying, about just everything that's happened this season. I mean, we've talked about it, the fairness of Heather Morris being on and having a dance background. There are also people concerned about who else on the cast has previous dance experience. And I get that. I get that there's tension when there's something like that because you shouldn't have to feel like you're competing against a dancer. Absolutely. And Erin, this is something that we talked about a month ago when when the cast was revealed. And I I don't know, I think that we were both kind of not really excited about about who they had picked it was a lot of you know celebrities and and we talked about that we talked about how you know they need to get a lot more a-list celebrities they're getting b c list that we don't we don't hear about we don't know about we're not really enticed by and we don't feel the need to tune in to watch our favorite celebrity you know excel in, in this competition but something that we have always stressed is the fact that dancing with the stars is supposed to take a star and completely remove them from their elements so we watch a star whether it be an athlete in baseball or football or a woman who's in broadcasting a weather woman ginger z or whatever it may be, a reality star or or a musician, and we watch them perfect that craft, and then we get to see them on the ballroom completely out of their element, making a fool of themselves or absolutely succeeding, and it's so, you know, thrilling to be able to watch whether you like the celebrity or not. But when it comes to, you know, pulling girls, whether they're gymnasts or dancers or, or something like that, I don't understand how that's even remotely fair or or even make sense. Yeah, I get that. And I think part of the problem here is the way the judges comment on the dances. So I I went last night and I watched back Charo's critiques and the judges were so positive with her that it was kind of confusing. Like they were saying like, yes, you need to work on technique, but like you have so much energy, this, that. And they were just so encouraging that then when she got her scores, she looked stunned. Like they were fives and they were all fives and one six. And she, you know, she was like after she asked Porque and, and of course she was cut off cause they had to move on to the next segment. But she was like, I got my eyes on you. Like why is, and she seemed so serious about it that I just, I don't get it. It just feels like poor sportsmanship. And I mean, we talked about Abby wanting to, you know, saying she's leaving on her own terms. I feel like Charo's doing the same thing. She's like, look, I know I'm going to go home, so I'm just going to threaten to leave. That way it looks like I'm leaving on my own terms because I don't think this is fair and this is make me look bad. This is a dance competition. I feel like it's all in good fun, right? It is all in good fun. And I think some people get that because Mr. T has also gotten some very low scores, but has just dismissed them and said that he's in it for the kids that who are at St. Jude and Shriners hospitals. And he's competing for them and he's not competing against anybody else. And he's just here to have fun and bring attention to a great cause. And that is the way that you handle it. That is 
how you should go about it. I mean, he pointed out, he's like, I'm not a dancer. I'm just here for this. First of all, you shouldn't have to point out that you're not a dancer, but you do have to now because they are putting dancers on this show. But that's where these producers went wrong in, in the first place. A hundred percent. It's just, it's not fun when, I mean, we talk about it with The Bachelor. When you know the outcome, it's not fun. When you know who the top three are most likely going to be on the show, everyone who has dance background, it's, it's, it's not as fun. But I just love that someone like Mr. T is doing the opposite of what Char was doing. And he's saying, look, these low scores, well, I'm here. I'm having fun. I'm, you know, trying to bring attention to a great cause. And it's fine. He just has such a great outlook on it. I know. And that's what makes this show exciting. You get to see a different side of these celebrities. So I think that, you know, to handle it like that is so much better. Don't be bitter about this. Like, you, you chose to go on this show. It's all in good fun. I mean, the scores, the judges are harsh. Yeah, they we should were, be. When I went to a filming, uh, of a taping of Dancing with the Stars, people were booing the judges left and right. Every word that came out of the judges' mouths, people were booing. You know, it, it, yeah, they're they're the devil's advocate. They're the professionals, though. They're supposed to be. I mean, think about Simon on American Idol or X Factor, America's Got Talent. Now, like, that is, it, it's their job to be harsh on these people. Like, but I mean. They're also having fun with it, too, and being like, you know, you are bringing so much energy to it because you're this great celebrity who just lights up the room. So they, I feel like they always have something to positive, something positive to say to counter the negatives. Like, yes, you need to work on your technique, but you just light up this ballroom. You know, I, I just I don't get how you can go on the show and be upset with what the judges are saying about you. They're not making personal attacks on you. Absolutely. Critiquing your dancing. I think your first issue is when you're pulling a guy who just got done filming The Bachelor off The Bachelor and he's the one who's being the most publicized basically for the show. True. You're bound to be doomed from the start. You're not wrong. And we weren't wrong about it a month ago. And I don't think we'll be wrong about it moving forward. I don't think so either. But Erin, let's move forward. We talked about dancing. Let's get off the dance floor for a little bit. We have to move on to the Kardashians. It's a family. I think we've gone, Erin, it's safe to say, a decent amount of time without talking about. We have. Nearly the entire semester, but I don't know if I should jump the gun and say that. But I think it's been the entire semester. We have taken quite a break from the Kardashians, but I think it's time to revisit them. It is. And we have to revisit them by starting off with Chloe's Good American brand, her, her denim line. Because on the coming attractions for the next episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians... She expresses concern and and a sense of fear that Good American will not be as successful as Kylie Cosmetics and she'll be the failing sister. Now, Chloe was especially worried after learning the company would be expected to sell 150,000 pairs of jeans before the end of the year. And she was talking to her sister, Kourtney Kardashian, and saying how, you know, how hard it is to reach that goal, how nearly unobtainable it is, how, you know, it's like record breaking and all of these things and how she just has so much anxiety because she's nervous that she'll let her business partner as well as investors down. Now, Erin, I I said it before, this was a preview for this week's episodes for what's to come. So there's not that much detail other than that. Um, She compares herself to, to Kylie and how quickly Kylie sells out of lip kits. She refers to them as units because I'm assuming that each product you sell in that terms is a unit. Mm -hmm. What do we think of this? 
Well, I remember talking about Good American, I believe, last semester. Upon it was a its while launching. ago. Uh, yeah, about its launch and about the price of these jeans and us feeling like, yes, it's great quality. I believe, it, you know, the branding was they were made in America, so they're going to be a little bit more expensive. But we did feel that for the targeted demographic, the price was just a little bit too much. And I think that, yes, the Kardashians are this very high-end family and they, you know, they're a luxurious family and they exude that. But the kinds of people who watch this show aren't. You are absolutely right. I couldn't have formulated those words better myself. There's a sense of disgust and I feel that way because, you know, upon looking into it a little bit more, Good American's debut, Erin, was the biggest denim launch in apparel history. Wow. Erin, it made $1 million on the first day. That is insane. So for you to sit there, Chloe, I understand. No matter what, there's a sense of, you know, she she, she talked to Courtney about how she was once the fat sister, and now yeah, she's fat. not. Okay, uh-huh, yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, so she has this, this anxiety of a feeling of not being desirable of all these things. And that translates in to not just her personal, but also her professional life. But when you break this down, when you think about this from, from a fiscal aspect, even your brand is already so immensely successful. It is. And so for you, you to, you know, express your concern that, that to me, and, and I've never bought that apparel before, just because, you know, we talked about it. It's, it's $200 for one pair of jeans and, 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 you know, it's just a little bit ridiculous, but, for their target audience, at least you're, you're marketing young, young women, young teenagers to, you know, adolescents. But with that being said, you're going to talk about how you're so afraid of failing. And then people can look up in, in, you know, in the matter of seconds, the fact that you grossed $1 million. Now, of course, we're not naive to believe the fact that Chloe didn't take 1 million and pocket that and walk home with that on the first day. Of course, that's not the case. Your brand is already so successful. It is. And I, I mean, I get that there's fear and there's always fear in business. But when you have when you're going out of the gate making a million dollars the first day, I just I don't get how you can still say I mean, I feel like the fear is she's just comparing herself to Kylie too much. Like, yes, the lip kits sell out immediately, but the lip kits are what, thirty dollars for a lip kit? Like, yeah, I'm really not someone who's gonna pay thirty dollars for something to put on my lips, but the, it's not two hundred dollars. Do you know what I mean? And and absolutely. Kylie has worked hard to make this brand what it is. And em- she's built an empire. Off she that absolutely brand. has, and but that is like her sole focus. I mean, Kendall's doing her modeling. Kylie's doing her lip kit. Chloe is doing Revenge Body on E. She's doing the denim line. Like, Chloe has a lot of projects going on, I feel like. And, I mean, they still have Dash. And I remember in the season premiere, they talked about Dash. And, and I believe it was Courtney who didn't want to close the stores. And, and Kim and Chloe were saying, look, Dash isn't doing well. We need to close the stores. And I think that could be where some of the fear is coming from. And, and, and Chloe saying, look, look at Dash stores. They're not doing as well as they used to. Maybe we need to close one or two of the locations. Maybe we need to close all of them. I don't know. But I think she sees that and, and is projecting it on her brand and just fearful about now could good American end up like Dash. Do you think that I understand that, you know, we get to go behind the scenes and, and view the Kardashian sisters through their, their reality show and good for them for being candid. If Chloe's anxious about this, I know, you know, success or failure, it can't be measured in numbers. If you have that fear, you have that fear no matter what, whether it's not getting a job or your $1 million debut company going under in some sense or not succeeding for that matter. But does this make you 
distant from being able to relate. Does this make you not sour in any way? But if I was someone who was debating on buying her product, I feel as though I'd feel less inclined to invest in in, in a pair of jeans from her. After having heard this, I'd be like, you know what? Like, I'll go support someone else's business. I don't, you know, was it a good move strategically f- from a business aspect for her to express this t- to Courtney on, on national television? That is a great point. I mean, you want to invest in someone who's super passionate about what they do, who is, you know, gung-ho, look, I'm going to do this even if it's not going to go as well as I want it first. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to put in the effort to make it what I want it to be. And I feel like we're not getting enough of that. And I mean, maybe we are jumping the gun because we haven't, this episode has not premiered yet. Of course, they're going to take the sound bites that that make the you want to watch. Edit is something that you always say. Exactly. So who knows? Maybe she will be more positive in the episode, and this is just a tidbit of what we get to see. I don't know, but I do. I do get what you're saying, and I do think that she needs to exude more. Um, I don't think passion's the right word because I do think she's passionate about it, but just just more confidence in her brand and what she's able to create. I mean, she is a powerhouse. Her name carries just so much weight on its own. She can do it. She just has to believe it. Absolutely. Let's move on, though. We're still going to stay in the Kardashian family, of course, still even mentioning Chloe, But we're bringing Lamar into the mix because he has finally opened up to you, to us weekly after, you know, the, the, the rough year and a half that he's had. He's gotten candid about Chloe, about his struggle, his battle with drugs. He's fresh out of a 30 day rehab. Um, and this is the last time we've really heard about Lamar, or rather from Lamar, after he was found in a Vegas brothel, suffered multiple strokes and heart attacks. This was in 2015. Now you fast forward 2017, and Lamar has said that he's happier and healthier than he's ever been. Which, just reading that, good. I mean, that makes me happy for him. We, I mean, we did a whole episode just about him and and his struggle and what he's been through in his life from the death of family members to really not having a family there to then drug abuse and his basketball career being up and down. And just he's been through a lot. And if he really is at a good place in his life and he's clean and he's happy, that's really all that we can ask for. Absolutely. He's happy now, but he's definitely going back to his past and, you know, recounting his his marriage with Chloe and what went wrong in a sense. So he admitted that he hid his drug use from Chloe for a while at the beginning of their marriage. And then once she caught him, she tolerated it for a couple of years before they ultimately split in 2011. Erin, just hearing 2011. Was it really that long ago? That's my immediate thought. Wow. There's no way. I guess so. Wow. I mean, granted, the divorce, of course, wasn't finalized until this coming year, but that's something that we've known. It's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he hid it from her at the beginning of their marriage. I mean, Chloe and Lamar got married so quickly after meeting. I mean, it was, what, less than a month? It was. And there was, I'm, I mean, a lot of concern from some of her family members about rushing into it. And she was so confident in it. And I think this really goes to show that you don't know someone after a month. And we talk about <laughs> that all the time with reality shows and dating and whatnot. I mean, it's hard to see how well you even know someone after a year. But to... To not know someone after a month, I feel like this just shows that so much that he was hiding drug use. That is such a huge thing to hide from someone, especially a partner. And the fact that it had been going on before they met and all of that, just he has these deep-rooted issues. And to hide it, she couldn't help him with it until it was too late. 
Absolutely. And you can't fix someone, Erin. No, getting, 100%. The, you you speak about addiction. You're going in, into genetics and history there. That That's you know, a lifetime struggle. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. And that's not the only thing he struggled with if throughout their marriage. He also struggled with, you know, being faithful to her. He, he was candid about his infidelity. And he spoke about not the Kardashian curse necessarily at all, Aaron, but he draws upon a point that I think that we talked about, you know, two years ago when, when we covered his, his nearly fatal overdose. And that was that he says, quote, when I became Khloe Kardashian's man on TV, it made me look more enticing. And he insists that women were more attracted to him because of his proximity to a Kardashian sibling. Oh my god! He was almost like, you know, a figure in a museum that people were just infatuated with. So Aaron, to that I say, I know that you and I, you know, we're the first ones to bat, to totally rid of this Kardashian curse. When we talk about Scott Disick, his addiction happened long before Courtney, and, you know, he lost both of his parents. So what I mean to say is that we always talk about how these guys, you know, Lamar specifically, because people said that, you know, he succumbed to the Kardashian curse. And we talked about how, you know, he's an NBA athlete. Some athletes even, you know, they blow up. They have drugs easily accessible to them. They can't control themselves and they become addicted. But with the Kardashians, you take that and you need to, you're, you're hitting upon an entirely new demographic, an entirely new national worldwide audience that you never even knew, knew you existed. You're yeah. an NBA athlete. So, you know, you can kind of gauge who's infatuated, who's your fans, but then you become a, a Kardashian and you have that title associated with you and you're opening up a can of worms that is so uncontrollable. And so I think that that's interesting in the sense that, you know, he's not, he, he does admit that he's having multiple affairs with, with different women throughout his marriage and that it wasn't the right thing to do, but, you know, he couldn't control himself for, for whatever reason it may be. And I think that he's not excusing it, but he's saying these women are coming at me and, and I didn't know what to do. Of course, Aaron, this doesn't excuse being unfaithful by any means. You should, you know, the strong base of a foundation of a relationship, it should never lead to infidelity, in my opinion. But what I'm saying is I think it's interesting for her to him to acknowledge that it kind of changed me in the sense that I could not control myself in any way. Drugs, women, my personal life, my marriage, it all dwindles out of control because of this. It's kind of, it's frustrating. The Kardashian curse is a load of BS and it frustrates me when people who date the Kardashians or fans or whoever it may be say that there's a Kardashian curse because for you to marry a Kardashian and say that all of these women then came at you and you didn't know what to do, talk to your wife, work it out. Say, look, I'm struggling with this. Let's talk about it. Don't go cheat on her. Don't resort to drugs. Like fix your issues. And I get that it's not that simple. And I don't want to simplify it because addiction is something so different. And I believe it was Scott Disick talking about this season having a sex addiction. And that is another type of addiction. And and that is an issue in itself. But to blame it on the Kardashians and say that because you are with one of them, you now have all of these women after you and, and are cheating. No, that's not. That's just not how it works. And it's frustrating to me that this is what it's come to. Absolutely. But Aaron, we've, we've acknowledged this in the past. Chloe has stuck by his side throughout all of this. He recalled the fact that, you know, he, she was the first thing that he saw when she woke up. He, she called him a nickname that, you know, his mother used to call him. And Chloe told him that she said it to let him know that he wasn't dead. I mean, he doesn't 
he acknowledges the fact that, you know, she was the biggest role in him getting his memory back. You know, he'd bring her pictures of her mother, of her grandmother. It's the love that she has for him runs so deep, not just in a in a matrial way, in, in a in a husband like way, in a, in a marriage sense, but just the, the love from one person to another person. And it's so nice for him to almost acknowledge his flaws. Good for him for for coming out and saying, I, I was unfaithful to Chloe. Because you're acknowledging the fact that you weren't perfect, and yet this woman stood by you. I think it speaks more about the person that Chloe is, the individual that she is, and not about Lamar. I don't read that and think, Lamar is a scumbag, he's a cheater, he's a liar. I think Chloe loved this person so much that even when he was on his deathbed, she stood by him and wanted nothing more than to see him survive. Yeah, it speaks volumes about Chloe, but also... This is what we see from Chloe time and time again, from Rob to Lamar. She stands by people she loves no matter what, and all she wants is to make them better. And I think that it's really hard for her because you you can't make someone better unless they want to be better. So it's, it's Rob with his weight, and we saw her struggle with the fact that she was trying to take care of him and kind of baby him through the process, and she finally realized, I can't keep doing that. He needs to make the change for himself, and it's the same thing with Lamar. She couldn't get him over his addiction. She couldn't get him to be loyal. Those were decisions he had to make, and it it makes me hurt for Chloe because she hurts so much because of how loyal she is, because of how loving she is and caring she is. She wants what's best for these people, and she puts their well-being above her own, and I think that, that that's a very great quality, but it's also a very harmful quality for your own well-being and I just wish that she would get the respect and the love that she deserves from other people you're so right Aaron that was so well said and to that I think we have to end on Lamar saying how you know he is a walking miracle he's had no choice but to come but to become stronger and he said to his interviewer I'm here talking to you so I guess I'm winning and you know what I hope with that mentality he will move on and you know he, he says he's cleaner, he's healthier than he's ever been. So hopefully that mentality will continue on throughout the rest of his life and he'll continue to lead an even healthier life. We talked about the fear of failure. I mean, from Abby being scared about her studio and her career, Charo being scared she's going to leave, leave on her own terms, Chloe's fear of her business. There's so much to be scared of, but we are not going anywhere. So you don't have to be scared that we're leaving you because we'll be back next week. Thank you to our producer, Kate Douglas, and our audio technician, David Petka. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. The recap presented by ICTV will return next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the underscore recap and like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the recap podcast. <laughs>